Podcast Trent and Biz talking some Hawkeye football and basketball with you. Iowa fresh off a bowl loss in the Citrus Bowl to Kentucky 2017, the final, and a lot of questions on the horizon for that Iowa football program. Basketball with their first Big Ten win of the season last night as they knock off Maryland. We'll get into that a little bit later on. Biz, hope you had a good Christmas holiday. How are you? Doing good. Then, uh, an interesting couple of weeks. Hope you and your family are staying healthy, and uh, hope uh, hope you didn't take take the the frustrating bowl loss too hard. You know, I, I'm always glad we don't do these uh, shows immediately after the game because after after a couple of days' perspective, you know, I think there's quite a few things you can there are quite a few positives you can take away from that bowl game. Obviously, there's uh, there's plenty of negatives as well, and plenty, I'm sure we'll get into those. But uh, you know, I, you got to really appreciate how hard that team played in the second half and they gave us a chance to win and for a variety of different reasons it didn't happen but uh love the effort didn't love the outcome yeah effort certainly was there defense at times played well once again allowed a wide receiver to go off in this one uh Wandell Robinson was a part of that of course opening drive they come right down march down the field get a touchdown we're kind of used to that with the Phil Parker defense but they settled in pretty well but ultimately this conversation comes down to the offense and an offense that needs to get better and needs to be better at the quarterback position. So let's just keep it open-ended here, Biz, and go from a lot of the frustrations that were coming out and Spencer Petras at the spot, the missed throws that were there, three interceptions in the game. Yeah, one was a Hail Mary. There was a tip ball in there, but just frankly, not good enough at the quarterback spot. And though this team won 10 games. I think most anybody before the season, you said, hey, I was going to win 10 games. You're going to be pretty happy when you sign up with it. But there was just so much frustration that came along with it this season. Yeah, and I was, I was thinking about that, you know, as we're after the game and, and just kind of getting ready for today. Honestly, it might have been one of the weirdest seasons I can ever remember as an Iowa fan. Just the, the, the highs and lows and, you know, going all the way up to number two, and obviously there were some unbelievable, uh, you know, victories. You, got, you you went and beat Iowa State during their dream season, not only beat them, but basically demoralized them. You had one of the greatest wins in, in Iowa history at the time, as far, you know, and one of the most exciting wins, beating Penn State. You know, you, you beat a very good Minnesota team. You, uh, you know, had the unbelievable comeback against Nebraska. There were plenty of highs, but then, some, like you said, just some frustrating moments as well and you know and you know it, it, it was a year that it'll be interesting five years from now how people look back at this year is it going to be a positive year is it going to be a, a negative year you know I, I view it as a mostly positive year I think we probably got as much out of you know when you when you realistically look at this team and you look at the inexperienced offensive line you look at the inept quarterback play um, you know you, you look at just the fact that they they were not you know just not a lot of offensive weapons, um, you know ten wins ten wins ten wins looks pretty darn good when you when you when you look at the big picture of it. But obviously, like you said, some some clear frustrations as well. And you know the bowl game kind of uh, kind of was a perfect synopsis of the season because uh, we had our chances, 
and just weren't quite good enough to pull it off. And, and you know, you talked about the quarterback play, but there's there's plenty of blame to go around for how that game ended. You know, we couldn't get a yard running the ball. Our really good punter has one of his worst punts of the year, puts it in the end zone, and then the defense couldn't get a stop. So uh, it was, uh, you know, I had no problem at all punting on fourth and one, put, put it on your defense. We've done that all year long, and unfortunately this time around they couldn't save us one, once again. One of the more infuriating parts about that, you mentioned uh, an opportunity to get a yard, win the game basically for all intents and purposes, and okay, you don't go for it, but also to waste a time out there. Look, Torrey Taylor, though he wasn't as good as what we saw back in September and October, that extra five yards isn't going to mean a difference. So keep that po- that time out in your pocket. Take the five-yard penalty and move it back. And Kentucky, they very well could have declined that, too. That was the part that was just uh, head-scratching to me. And there's a lot of those just instances of game management, clock management, that seem very simple, that are left on the board for this Iowa football team. But the play, the decision to not go for it there. Like you said, put it on the defense. That's all well and good. But here's my problem. Earlier in the game, they went for it, bobbled, snapped, didn't work, didn't get the first down on the sneak. But why is it so difficult? A team that is about physicality, running the football. It starts up front with your offensive line. The self-proclaimed bullies of the Big Ten. And you can't get a yard anymore. Why is this such an issue for this program and especially now for the offensive coordinator, where I understand with Big Nate Stanley, getting a yard on that quarterback sneak, it was all well and good, but why it is just such a difficult process where it's third and fourth and one, and if we can't sneak it, we don't have a chance. It's so infuriating. Yeah, I think it's a big, to me, it's a big picture issue because one of the things that absolutely infuriates me is that over the last couple of years, third and two, has become an automatic passing down for yep. this team. I mean, we had third and two or third and three five times during that game, and we came out either four wide or shotgun. We don't even pretend to be a tough team. And then when we have to be tough, we can't. I mean, we just – we're not – I mean, the fact of the matter is, Trent, Minnesota is way more physical than us right now. Wisconsin's way more physical than us. You give Bielema another year or two, he's going to be more physical than us. You know, we've talked about it before. What's the identity of, of of this offense? I don't know. I really don't know what it is. I mean, I think I know what they want to be. They want to be physical, but they don't really commit to being physical. If you're going to be a physical team, third and two should be a running down or at the very least a play action down. You should be – the defense should be committed to stopping the run on that third and two. We don't even – we don't even try it anymore. We just we just spread it out and hope we can get lucky on a three yard three yard stop pattern. So, so yeah, I, I don't I don't get it. I I just think our our general philosophy we want to be tough, but we don't. You know, we we talk the talk. We don't necessarily walk the walk when it comes to being the boys of the Big Ten anymore. Brian Ferentz, he uh, talked before the game with the assembled media down in Florida. Reading through the transcript of the press conference, he was basically asked about his offensive identity and couldn't come up with anything. You know, they continue to talk about complimentary football. This is not complimentary. What they're doing is not complimentary to an elite level defense and elite special teams. So what changes? What can change? What do you anticipate? We'll leave quarterback aside. I'm just talking about the philosophy. What they're trying to do offensively, what Brian could do to get this offense better. Yeah, block better have better quarterback play. All those things obviously go apart it, but the philosophy, what needs to change? What do you want to see out of this Iowa offense? Just get them 
get him back to average. Get him back to Ken O'Keefe level. Well, I think we saw glimpses of it. I think that second half is what this team wants to be. We, you know, we were able to do about everything we wanted for the first 25 minutes of that half. And then it wasn't until, you know, we had to get tough and get that yard that, that blew up in our face. But the first 25 minutes of the second half, our offense was as good as it's going to get. And I think you saw what we'd like to be able to do, which is establish the run, play play action, use our tight ends. You know, we were that, – that's as smooth as you're going to see an Iowa offense for 25 minutes. And, and everything – we wanted was was there, so I think that's what we want to do. Um, you know, and the, the other thing is, Trent. You know, there's some positives to take out of that that offensive performance as well. I mean, uh, the number one positive being we've got two pretty darn good running backs coming yes. back next year. I was really, really impressed with both of those two, and honestly, you know, it made me wonder why didn't we see those two a little more throughout the year because they they definitely provided a different element than, than Goodson did. I mean, you and I have talked about it. Goodson's a good running back, but he also has his limitations. And, and for what we needed this year, boy, maybe Gavin Williams could have uh, could have done a little bit more in, in some certain situations if, if we'd have given him more opportunities to you or, or LaShawn, either one. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I think that's a good one. Again, we saw Arlen Bruce making plays. Of course, had the touchdown on the end around on the jet sweep there. That was great to see. And, you know, the running game got something going. He made some plays out there. Of course, if Sam Laporta comes back, he builds on what we saw this season, becomes more consistent both as a blocker and in the hands department. You really got something there. And you'll get Keegan Johnson coming back for another season. So there is excitement, but, well, it comes down to the quarterback spot. So here we are, Alex Padilla. You have to anticipate he's as good as gone, right? If he didn't get an opportunity in this bowl game now, he knows that he is not going to get an opportunity to unseat Spencer Peters as a quarterback. It was not a competition this offseason, no matter what they said, and it's not going to be going forward. So you have to anticipate he's going to be gone. Do you anticipate at all that Iowa is going to tap into the transfer market? No, they're not getting Caleb Williams. They're not getting one of the big names of college football at the quarterback spot. But looking around, a group of five quarterbacks, somebody from the FCS, somebody that is willing and knowing that they're going to have to come in and compete for the job. Do you even see Iowa willing to do that, to bring in somebody to compete with Petras for the starting nod? I think it's the same thing we talked about before. If it's somebody they have a prior relationship with and that person drops into the portal, yeah, I could see them going after him, but I don't think they're going to – I don't think they're going to be real active in trying to go out and, you know, recruit – any quarterback they don't already have a prior relationship with, or somebody they, they haven't, uh, you know, they haven't dealt with during the initial recruitment phase. So, you know, I wish they would. I, I, I noticed when we're in the top five for a, a lineman out of Cornell. I, I hope we go after a few other people as well. But you know, the fact of the matter is, I mean, we are what we are when it comes to the the, the, the portal. We're, at best, you're looking at maybe one or two different people that we we get across the board probably and you know I don't know it's part of me says I wish we'd be more active in the portal but I also I do appreciate that our our turnover and chaos isn't nearly as bad as some other teams either and I think part of that is because of our commitment to developing kids and, and not going for the quick fix in the portal so you know I guess I'm a little I see both sides of it but 
to, to answer your question, Trent, no. I'd be, I'd be really surprised if we get a quarterback out of the, trip, out of the portal. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, you and I have talked about the past right now, we, the two quarterbacks we've seen are not power five division one quarterbacks. I mean, Petrus isn't, Padilla's not. So I'm hoping Joey Labus is the answer. I mean, right. you, hear, you hear good things about him. You know, you hope he gets an opportunity to at least have a shot at it because Spencer Petrus is the nicest kid in the world. There's absolutely no doubt. And you feel bad when you hear him, you know, the comments he made post game. But, you know, be, being nice doesn't win football games. Yeah. And right now, he's not winning football games. He had, I mean, he had a great opportunity to kind of change the narrative at the end of that game and have a great feel good story at the end of the year and talk about how he, uh, battled through adversity and, and brought us back to a comeback victory and it didn't happen. I mean, yes, he got hit as he was throwing the ball. I get it, but Christ, he overthrew Kelly Martin by 10 yards. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, that's just a play you just can't make in that situation. He's just not, he's not a long-term solution. And I think honestly, I think the coaching staff knows that they're just not going to come out and say that they're smart enough that they're not going to throw him under the bus. But you know, I, I, I've, cautiously optimistic that we will uh, have a, a true open competition and hopefully Joey Labus can come out and win it. And we'll get a freshman out there, a uh, redshirt freshman as a starting quarterback, which would be a sight to see, something we haven't certainly seen very often in the Ferentz era. You know, with it, Spencer Petras, you're right, nice kid, but he's just not good enough. And we have two years now to see that he's not good enough. The offensive ineptitude that has been there, a lot of that points to him. So you need to find somebody better. You have to go a different direction. And I know he talked about Chad Lystico had an article talking about him you know, getting a little bit more athletic and improving those kind of things and, and getting quicker. Ultimately, that's not going to matter. Now, he's one of the least athletic quarterbacks I've ever seen, certainly in this era of college football. But even if he gets two-tenths of a second off his 40 time, he just doesn't have the pocket presence. I just don't see him as that kind of guy that is going to be able to figure that out all of a sudden after, what, starting 22 games during his college career. That's not something that just suddenly lights up and the light bulb goes on with that. That's not going to improve. His pocket presence isn't good enough. He gets knocked off course there on the interception, misses a wide-open receiver. Bad throws are going to happen, but this is continually now two straight years where he's not good enough. Iowa has to find another option, but you're right. They're not going to come out. They're not going to kick him to the curb. He's too good of a kid, and that's just not the way that the Iowa program is built. I'm hopeful somebody else will come to the surface. It'll be maybe a three-guy competition with Labus, Petrus, and another guy, probably a guy we haven't heard of, but ultimately just another quarterback out there. But alas, that is where we are, Biz. What are the things you put in the notes? Uh, asking about coaching changes. You got something you, you – rumblings anything that maybe you're just speculating on no i just along the lines you're just talking about trent i I think one of the things that could probably help our quarterback room right now is i I, this is a pure speculation my my part it would not surprise me to see ken o'keefe retire i I think one of the things that might help that quarterback room is, is to get a fresh a fresh opinion and fresh set of eyes on the quarterbacks. Ken O'Keefe has been a, a great, a, a great ambassador for the Iowa Pro. I'm not going to say a great coach because I'm not sure he's a great coach, but he's been he's been somebody that's been part of the program for a long time. But when you you know you look back at the retirements over the years, you know there's been three coaches that have have retired in the past decade. There's Norm Parker. After the 2011 season, he retired at the age of 70. 
You got Greg Davis five years ago. He was 66. You got Reese Morgan, who retired after the 19 season. He was 68. You know, that's how old Kendall Keith is now. He's 68 years old. It's, I think, you know, I think it's just time. And I don't know, again, pure speculation, pure guess on my part, but I think there's going to be some changes on the offensive side of the ball. And my, my first guess, and I got another one here, but I'll get your thoughts first. My first guess is Ken O'Keefe quietly retires here in the next couple of weeks. Ken O'Keefe moves on, and that means you bring in specifically a quarterback coach or somebody else that has a little bit more to do with, with offense. And, maybe changing what they're doing schematically. Again, we're just spitballing here, but personally, it would be great to see just somebody that can – we talked about it at, going back to when they brought in oh, the offensive line coach, uh, Polisek, that went to Wyoming, doing some of the things that we saw in the past with North Dakota State and that, that power spread look that we saw from time to time. That's what I would like to see. Yeah, you're not going to go away from your base tenets here, but I, I, just a change of what you're trying to do offensively and, and coming up with some – well, some things that work here in the 2020s. Well, and the other thing, I mean, you've noticed lately, all of our quarterbacks, when they have extended breaks, then go to quarterback coaches. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you talked Nate Stanley, there were some comments a while back about, you know, how the quarterback coach had to redo his entire footwork because his footwork was, was not good. And, you know, to me, that's, that's an indictment on your, your quarterback coach there, that, that somebody, they have to go to someone else. To, you, know, you don't see that with – other positions, you don't see our linebackers going to a different linebacker coach. You don't, you know. I just think that's something we need to open our eyes up and be like, hey, maybe we should hire one of those mm-hmm. quarterback gurus to actually be the person doing the coaching day in and day out. I mean, I think there's an opportunity to get younger. There's an opportunity to get more creative there. Um, you know, I just to me, it's an easy fix, or one of the easy fixes of the offense is, is bring in a quarterback coach that's a little younger and a little more innovative and, and creative and, and can, like I said, a, a new new set of eyes can't hurt. So the other thing, you know, my guess, and this is just a guess, is that Brian Ferentz probably isn't going anywhere. Um, but I, I would not surprise me if they also did a little adjusting as far as roles of some of the offensive coaches. I, I could see something like, you know, Kelton Copeland becoming the passing game coordinator or, you know, being a little more involved in, in some of the, the play calling or decision making. You know, I, I, I don't see them just 100% standing pat as far as the offensive coaches. The last time we made kind of wholesale changes, you know, on the offense was after the 2016 year. And to me, it was kind of a similar end of the year. If you remember 2016, we went to the, uh, Outback Bowl, and it was just a completely inept offensive performance against Florida. And, you know, end of the year, what happened? Greg Davis, quote-unquote, retired, and Chris White and Bobby Kennedy were, were shown the door after the, the whole debacle with Eno Benjamin. So, yeah, I think this coaching staff gets it. I think they realize changes have to be made. Are there going to be wholesale changes? Doubtful, because that just doesn't happen with, with Iowa football. But I think there will be some offensive changes, or maybe that's just me uh, – Hoping. Going to be an interesting offseason, no doubt, and uh, plenty more to speculate about, talk about as we go forward there. Biz, anything else on football before we go to hoops? No, let's jump to the positive. We got we got a Big Ten win, Trent. Got a Big Ten win, and it was almost a must win. Talked about this, I think, with you, Biz, uh, a couple weeks ago. 
0-2 start already in the Big Ten with those early December games. The last two games, though Michigan's no great shakes, at least at this point, you go to Michigan and Illinois to wrap things up. So in between, you got 16 other games. Just couldn't afford to lose this one at home against a Maryland team. Certainly reeling, though times it felt like Iowa tried to give it away. You get it done. Bring those positive vibes we love for you, Biz. Why? Well, you know, this team has its limitations. They're they're certainly not a great team, but uh, you know when they're when they're clicking, they're a really fun team to watch. And they've obviously got an absolute star in, in Keegan Murray. I mean, you really can't say enough about how great Keegan Murray is. But you know, my my biggest worry with him is that he just doesn't. He doesn't have that killer instinct. There's times when I wish we'd just give him the ball and just say, get the hell out of the way. I mean, it's amazing that he scored 35 points last night, and we really don't even run the offense through him. I mean, he just kind of, you know, he's not that, he's not, he's definitely not a ball dominant player. I wish sometimes he was a little more ball dominant, but, you know, I, I'm, maybe this is just me being naive, Trent, but I, I'm cautiously optimistic we can go to Madison on Thursday and give them a good game. I just think we match up pretty well with them they're you know they don't have any great offense they don't have any great post presence they don't have an unbelievably quick point guard you know they they tend to win ugly which you know i think we can make it a game with them and then you know hope for the best in the last 10 minutes oh honey that's a, that's a sweet thought but I've seen too many of these Iowa-Wisconsin games, football or basketball, to to jump into your positive line of thinking. Who checks Johnny Davis for the Hawks? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, don't 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 try to harsh, don't try to kill my my positive vibes. Trey, you told me to be positive, so I was trying to, uh, you know, I suppose you, you know, you you put Keegan on him, or is that too much to ask for him to? Uh, I mean, Keegan would obviously be the best option, but, you know, I suppose you can put Patrick McCaffrey on him for a while, and, and you know, Patrick's got the length at least, but, you know, we're not, we're not going to stop Johnny Davis. It's just, I don't know. I've watched Wisconsin multiple times. They are, you know, to me, them beating Purdue last night was more of an indictment on Purdue and them not playing very well mm-hmm. than Wisconsin being a good team right now. I just, I, this is not a great Wisconsin team. Are they a good Wisconsin team? Yes, Wisconsin teams are always good. But, you know, again, we'll probably go there and lose by 25. But at least let, let me have positive eyes for a day or two, Trent. Okay. And, and, then, and honestly, you look at the schedule after that game, you know, the schedule gets pretty darn easy. It after does. The, I shouldn't say easy, but it, it's dual. I mean, honestly, there's a 10-game stretch after that Wisconsin game where there's no reason we can't go 6-4 and four or 7-3 and three in that next 10 games. So, uh, you know, but – uh, my question for you, Trent, I know I, I complained about it in our text thread last night, but uh, what the hell was our lineup the last eight, last four or five minutes of the game? What's the thought process of having uh, Euless and Connor McCaffrey on the court with three minutes to go? I, I don't get it. I, I feel like we won in spite of, uh, in spite of that last night. I just uh, Connor McCaffrey right now is obviously not healthy. He's obviously limited. What's the benefit of having him on the court with three minutes to go? Don't get it. Don't understand it. Cannot come up with any justification behind it. I'm right there with you. I didn't understand. Toussaint, yeah, did he have some shaky turnovers? Absolutely. That's what you're going to get at times with Joe Toussaint. But I thought he played a really good floor game. Euless came in, did some good things. But it shouldn't be that Toussaint just sat on the bench for basically the last eight minutes of the game. I didn't understand that. 
didn't go offense defense a couple of different times late in the game with Bohannon in there. Of course, Robracha, his struggles at the free throw line. There were just the last eight minutes were weird. And he had Bohannon missing a free throw, kept it a three point game. It just, I don't know. There didn't seem to be a whole lot of rhyme or reason. It was just like, all right, we're going to go with this group. They got a couple of stops defensively. It didn't feel like there was real good justification behind what they were trying to do. I can't come up with a good answer for you, Biz. Now that's you hit the nail on the head. There's just no rhyme or reason for it. I just don't. His his substitution patterns just just baffle me. And you know, fortunately, we we found a way to pull off the victory last night. But uh, you know, I just Connor McCaffrey right now. I'm totally fine with him playing eight to ten minutes a game and and, and filling in when needed. But. Uh, what does he bring to this team right now? And I, as you know, I've always been a Connor McCaffrey kind of apologist. I, I like mm-hmm. some of the things he brings, but uh, he's not healthy. He's not a good shooter at all. He's not, and he's no longer a good free throw shooter. He, he's probably the worst free throw shooter of the team outside of Rebracha. And so, what was he in for? I just, I don't stuff like that just baffles me. We've talked about it before, Fran. Like, there's just like like you said, no rhyme or reason for some of the things he does sometimes, and. Uh, I don't know. Those are the type of things. I mean, this team's good enough, and the, the Big Ten is average enough this year. We're going to be in a lot of close games with four minutes to go. And so I just worry that some of those uh, completely arbitrary decisions are going to cost us a few games down the road. can definitely see it. It makes you a little concerned, a little nervous, but that's where we are Thursday. A little house money against Wisconsin. If you can get a win there, you're certainly feeling really good. Then it is Indiana at home. Back-to-back road trips to Minnesota and Rutgers. Got to win at least one of those two games away from home before you come home for per t- uh, for Penn State. And then it uh, gets a little bit tougher after that. But Hoops playing well. Uh, Got to be happy, certainly, about Keegan. Tony Perkins, he goes a little fast at times, but still absolutely love that dude. And Chris Murray, he, he is still... It's hard to get a real good read on what Chris Murray still can be because it feels like... There's some upside that still can be untapped. He was bad last night. And both him and Patrick McCaffrey were both terrible last night. And, you know, it, it's, the good thing is all 10 of the guys that have played have, have shown glimpses. You know, mm-hmm. even Sanford at times has shown that he's capable. But, you know, I thought both Robracha and, and Toussaint played probably one of their better games last night. And Chris Murray and, and – uh, Mac probably played one of their worst games last night. So it's, you know, if we can get them on track, I mean, and, and Perkins didn't play well last night either. I mean, he, his his shot was atrocious last night. I mean, every shot was not even remotely close. But, you know, that's part of the reason why I wish we would kind of figure out our rotations and stick with them a little better because I feel like sometimes even the players don't really uh, – they're not even real clear as to, as to who they're going to be on the court with at times. And I don't, just like I said, the last eight minutes, that was a, a combination. Those five guys, I don't think it ever played together until last night. And then they played together for whatever, six, eight minutes. So I don't know. It, it worked out in the end. So I guess you shouldn't be complaining. And we will end it with that. We'll end it with this. Also, it's time for business beat. Hey, kids, gather around for business beat of the day. Okay, here's business beat of the day. (laughs) 
Well, Trent, uh, business beat this week is uh, in honor of a, a legend and, and one that uh, you and I should appreciate as we're both, uh, we both have young daughters. And so uh, I, I'm assuming you you saw, but uh, RIP to, uh, to Christine Grant. Uh, I've honestly really enjoyed over the last few days teaching my daughter about Christine Grant and having her read a few articles because until you read those articles, it, it's hard to understand just how amazing she was. It blew my mind, Trent, that before she got here, there was no Iowa women's basketball. You know what year Iowa women's basketball started at the University of Iowa? I would guess, what, 79, 80, something like that? 74. 74. So it's been 37 years, or 47 years ago, there was no women's basketball. I mean, it's just, it's hard to even fathom that, you know, she got here and she started it and then, and then she committed to it and made it one of the better programs in the nation and consistently uh, good. I mean, some of the other things you just read about her, I mean, it's truly amazing what what she's done. And, you know, like I said, as a... As the father of a daughter, and both with the father's daughter, uh, you know, I think everybody out there should t- take the time to read some of the articles about her because she truly was an amazing, uh, an amazing woman who uh, did some pretty amazing things. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well said, and absolutely somebody to respect. And what a career she put together at the University of Iowa as the athletic director before the two departments merged after her retirement. Well said, Biz. Good stuff out of you. Enjoy the week and enjoy that uh, Badger-Hawkeye game on Thursday because you said we're getting a win, right? I said we'll be competitive, Trent. Uh, what, what the <laughs> hell? I'll, I'll call it, Trent. I'll call my shot. The Hawks are going into Madison and winning. There it is. Good way to finish up, Biz. We'll talk again next week. All right, go Hawks.